Thank you. I'll be reading in the ESV, Luke 18, verse 18 through 30. And the ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, All these things I have kept from my youth. When Jesus heard them, he said to him, One thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come and follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, How difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, Then who can be saved? But he said, What is impossible with man is possible with God. And Peter said, See, we have left our homes and and followed you. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. Thank you. You may be seated. The wave of making sure I turn on my microphone as well. <laughs> and so, I, I, and I, I do have to share I, that I was reading something about a month ago, and it, it was about uh, public speaking, and it said that I get, or a speaker gets about seven seconds to make an impression on whether or not someone is going to listen to you for the rest of the time. So I want to just apologize in advance uh, for the ones that have already checked out. Uh, I, I, I do hope uh, and pray uh, that we'll be able through the power of the, uh, God's word to bring uh, you back in. Uh, there is a story written uh, by C.S. Lewis called The Screw Tape Letters. As some of you may be familiar. And in this uh, fictional exchange, it is uh, between two demons, uh, uh, the older uncle and the younger uh, nephew. And they are talking and getting counsel, the younger uh, demon is getting counsel on how can we keep someone from being a Christian. And early on in the writings, uh, the elder demon, the uncle, uh, writes, Screwtape writes uh, to Wormwood, he says, the way to accomplish that is to uh, make sure that the human heart is not thinking about things that they can't see or feel. Get them focused on the ordinary things. Get them focused on the things that are familiar. Do not allow their mind to start running towards the things uh, upon which they cannot immediately uh, entertain. And so Wormwood and Screwtape both would be disappointed today then with Luke chapter 18. 
And even as I look around this crowd today, it would be very difficult for us to have a conversation about something upon which all of us could agree uh, that would be interesting. But one thing that I am confident of today, regardless of your age, regardless of wealth, regardless of position, regardless of where this Sunday morning finds you, one thing that I am confident on is that all of us at one point or another and even today will be thinking about eternity. Our minds will start focusing on more than what uh, can be just a saw. Our things uh, will, uh, our minds will be focused on more than what we can just touch. It will be focused more on just the tyranny of the urgent today. And I have confidence in that Because Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says that God has written eternity into each of our hearts. We can't help but think about it. We, uh, uh, there will be varying degrees of urgency. There will be varying degrees of significance to that conversation. But humankind will find ourselves in places where we are thinking about much more than just the here and now. And it is from that context that we look at at chapter 18 and 18 through 30, and we hear the story that we've probably heard many times before about a young man that we learn who is also incredibly wealthy and a young man that we learn who is a ruler. Some even speculate that he was a ruler, possibly even a member of the Sanhedrin, a religious ruler. But yet we see this young man ask a question in verse 18 that has been asked for centuries since. What do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And then you see not only the conversation with the rich young ruler, you also see another conversation emerge. It's a conversation with uh, Jesus and his disciples where the disciples ask a very similar question. It may have been worded different. The language may have been different. The Intensity uh, with the question is different, but it's still dealt in verse 26 with eternity when the disciples with astonishment trying to figure some things out ask the question, who then can be saved? The reality is our minds and hearts are fixed towards asking a question, whether it's out of initial curiosity or whether it's coming from people who have followed Christ for for some length of time, to be asking about eternity and fixing our minds towards it. And so if we are going to be thinking about eternity, we want to make sure that we're thinking about eternity correctly. And one can't think about eternity without starting to think about God, the creator of it. One can't think about eternity and things that our minds can't grasp, as Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, without thinking of, is there a maker? 
Is there some, uh, something uh, uh, behind this? And for those of us that are saved, we know that there is, and we know that uh, truth, but I am under no illusion this morning that there may be some here uh, that are here uh, and you are seeking purpose and meaning in life, and here you have landed in a message that's dealing with uh, uh, what is, uh, could be the most significant. What about eternity? And how does that fit with me? And here we find the rich ruler and the disciples engaging in a conversation. And I love this because Jesus is using this conversation and laying it out in his word so that we centuries later can also grab a hold of it to see how that this is really affecting our daily lives and how it will affect us at work tomorrow. But in order for us to get there, we need to look at these questions in a little bit greater detail. And so we're going to look at the rich young ruler and his approach. We're going to look at the disciples and their approach. And we're going to see ourselves by the help of the Lord in this passage as well. We're going to see how uh, that it, uh, eternity and how we grapple with it. There's residual from this story that places itself in our lives. And the first thing that we see in verse 18 is how that our flawed thinking because of flawed the flawedness of our uh, humanity can create flawed questions don't uh, overlook just this question that everybody's been asking for years when he comes in good teacher what must i do to inherit eternal life now I'm not going to beat up on the rich young ruler today because the reality is there's a lot of times where I can see myself behaving and acting as he, uh, uh, he did and the tendencies that are common to him can be common to us. But I, I, So I'll give him some credit when I at first notice, look at the way he introduces himself and uh, the way that the salutation that he gives to, uh, uh, to the Lord. Uh, uh, he goes to Jesus and he says, good teacher. So he's doing everything right. In other, in parallel passages in Matthew and Mark, we learn that he came running. He came kneeling to him. And so we see this man that has a, a, a that is uh, status with position. We see this man that has wealth. We see this man uh, that is young coming to Jesus in a very respectful way. Even to a degree of humility, you don't see a lot of wealthy rulers running and kneeling to get a question answered. But that's exactly, if you study out the rich young ruler, that is exactly the posture that he had. And it's just amazing how the Lord ties all those things together to remind us that regardless of our age, regardless of our wealth, regardless of our status, we're going to wonder about eternity and we're going to wonder through this flawed set of thinking. And we see the flawed thinking emerge almost immediately because you see the beginning, what do I need to do? And isn't that how we're all wired? What do we need to do? What's the thing that I need to do? This illusion and flaw of self-sufficiency 
that, uh, that, uh, this wanting to be de uh, dependent. You see it even in toddlers, right? Uh, have you ever watched the toddler that gets the toy that's wanting to figure it out or gets the puzzle and they're wanting to figure it out and the mom or the dad is sitting there and they're wanting so desperately to help uh, their toddler figure it out because they know it's becoming increasingly frustrating and stressful for them and they reach down to help them and what does the toddler uh, almost always do? Rip it away and say, I've got this. All right, I paraphrase there. Right? That's just a little example of what we do as adults all the time. Always trying to figure things out on our own. Always trying to come up with what we need to do. And what it does and what it exposes is a flawed understanding of ourselves. And, and as I walk through this, one of the things that we, even as believers in Christ, need to ever keep in front of us is this flawed understanding of ourselves and how that our sin constantly renders us in need, not in a place where we can say, what do I need to do? I can do it. We always need the Lord's support and uh, we always are depending on him uh, for the answer and especially the answer of e eternal life. It comes no other way and we need to recognize that this condition of sin, it's not just actions. The condition of sin spins off into actions but this condition of sin has permeated and affected everything around us. Our, uh, the way that we have a relationship with God, the way that we have a relationship with one another, the, uh, the way that we steward God's creation, the way that we look at ourselves, either too highly or too low, all are, uh, is re a result of the condition that plagues each and every one of us, the condition of sin. And what sin does is it creates this relational break, this uh, relational fracture that permeates everything and it causes us to be seeking meaning uh, for life and it causes us to be in this place where the disciples were in verse 26 and it causes us to be in this place where uh, the rich young ruler was when he approached Jesus. The break has affected us all. And so it, it, it's a rather, when we start thinking about it logically, it's a rather silly leap to think that something that has a break or something that has an end, such as finite uh, uh, humanity, that we would be able to somehow create the solution uh, that can only come from God. But yet we do it all the time. We have this flaw of self-sufficiency that we can do it on our own. We also have this flaw of thinking, and it's a spinoff of self-sufficiency, that we can create some type of system or some type of task to take care of the issue of eternal life. And the reality is you cannot have a transaction take care of a relational issue. And as I was praying and studying about this, I, my mind started journeying back to uh, when I was a little guy and Ed the Postman. Ed the Postman 
lived in our, uh, 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 was the postman in our uh, neighborhood. And Ed was the guy that everyone loved. Ed, I, I, I mean, people would wait for Ed. I mean, the kids uh, in our cul-de-sac, we would literally be on the lookout for Ed as he was walking uh, to deliver the mail because Ed was going to make us feel important. Ed was going to talk to us. Ed was going to joke around with us. Ed was going to, uh, uh, Ed was uh, loved to uh, talk uh, with all of the neighbors. Uh, and he was just a very relational guy that had a very significant issue. And that significant issue is he was paid to deliver the mail. And so it was on more than one occasion, Ed would tell us uh, that we have to hurry, we have to hurry, uh, or I have to get going because I've been getting in trouble by my bosses because what Ed had did was he had created, he was hired for a transaction and had made it relational. So where, where are you going with that? The reality is we do the same thing in opposite. Eternity is only solved through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And yet there are too many times where we try and take a relational issue. What do we need to do to inherit eternal life? And we try and take it in, from a relational issue to a transactional one. The rich young ruler was doing that. What do I need to do? What do I need to do? And all of that was leading to the biggest problem that each and every one of us face. And it's the question of who's on the throne of your life? Who are you really putting on the throne that you're ascribing allegiance to, that you're agreeing to adhere to, that you're rendering control. And when we're self-sufficient, we don't have to lose control. And when we turn it into a transaction, it's just a checklist that we can do and then move on right along with our lives. And so the challenge that we all have is this myth of self-sufficiency, this myth of transaction, this wanting to remain uh, on the throne of our lives. And this rich young ruler, when he went to Jesus, that was the position and posture, and you see this from his actions later on that he entered in. What do I need to do? And Jesus being this great teacher, and Mark records in this, uh, uh, this passage, uh, uh, shares that uh, Jesus loved him, begins walking him through how some of these flaws were truly getting in the way and started working in his life uh, in a different way. And it begins with uh, at verse 19, where Jesus looks at him and says, why do you call me good? In a very real way, what Jesus was trying to do was to show uh, the rich young ruler, despite of his abundance of things, that the answer that you are seeking is only going to come from God. And so he says, why are you calling me good? There's only one that's good, and that's God alone. He was trying to orient the gaze of this rich young ruler towards the only thing that will solve the rich young ruler's question. And that's what he does for us today as well. Thank God for Providence Church that we can all sit 
and as the busyness of life can sometimes be consuming, that we can hear and be reminded that the question in, uh, uh, that we ask about eternal life is never going to be answered by the stuff we do, even the good things. And so look at Jesus' uh, uh, answer uh, when he goes on further. He says, no one is good except God alone. And then verse 20, he starts laying out the commandments. And these, uh, uh, these commandments, these are all commandments that could be evident of what you're either doing or not doing. They were all things that would be tangible. Don't lie, honor mom and dad. All of the things that we could, if we're not careful, take a great deal of comfort and build ourselves up on just the resume of the stuff that we do or don't do that looks really good to the outside world. Now, Jesus could have asked the rich young ruler anything. He could have led the conversation anyway. Jesus was working him towards a divine appointment and getting him to a place of self-reflection. And so he asked him these questions, and these questions were something uh, that was going to start eroding the self-sufficiency and the transactional mindset that had been in the rich young ruler's mind. And, and, and so it, you hear the rich young ruler tracking and uh, saying, I've done all these things. I've kept all these things uh, from my youth. In another uh, passage, uh, it says, what do I still lack? Or what do I still need to do? Jesus was trying to move him to a place to show him there's nothing that you're going to do that will get to the answer that you're seeking. And 2023, he's still ministering to our hearts and reminding us that there's nothing that we're going to do that is going to get to the answer to that question. And so Jesus had moved him to a place of it's not self-sufficiency. It's not uh, this transaction. He moved him to a place where he had to look at his heart. And so Jesus then says, uh, uh, says to him in uh, verse 22, one thing you still lack. Go sell all that you have, give to the poor, and come and follow me, and you'll have reward and treasure in heaven. Now, many people have looked at that and looked at Jesus as this tyrant. Like, how, how could Jesus ask this young man who had worked and uh, was, by standards, a good person to give up everything? And we could debate whether or not Jesus would have actually uh, had this uh, thought in his mind that if the a young man was really willing, would he have just kept all of those uh, goods from the young man? Jesus, the reality is, knew exactly how the young man was going to answer, but Jesus wanted to move the young man to examine his heart, to examine once again what is on the throne of your life. What is the thing that is taking the most priority in, uh, in your life, what is the thing, for lack of a better way of saying it, that can uh, consume you or consistently has the danger of consuming you? And so Jesus walked him through uh, uh, to the rich young ruler and showed him the thing, but he also gave him 
how that it was a far better exchange. While the rich young ruler was focused on the here and now, Jesus was saying that you go and sell and you will have a treasure in heaven. You'll also have a relationship with me. Jesus wants to move us past a transaction and he wants to provide us transformation. He wants to take us and make us a new creation in him. But we have to be willing to lose control and yield control to somebody that can see everything, past, present, and future, as one and not keep holding on to the things that we can see in just but a moment. Jesus was moving him to a place of transformation. He moves us to the same place, not transaction. And the rich young ruler, sadly, because of his abundance of things and because what really was controlling his heart, said no. And he was sad. And he went walking. Other passages reveal that he went away walking. And I'll pause before I go into conversation number two to say I think it's important to note the disposition of that rich young ruler in spite of being young and having the world in front of him, in spite of having position and status, and in spite of uh, being uh, somebody that was extremely wealthy, he went away sad. He went away sad. And the reason why he went away sad is that any time we are confronted with truth, not truth that we create, but fixed truth. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he gives us the pathway, and we choose to reject the truth. The ultimate outcome to that will always be sadness. The full ultimate outcome will be despair. Jesus wants to give us more than that. And so Jesus starts a mini lesson, for lack of a better way of saying it, and he starts talking about the barriers in life. In this case, it was the rich young ruler and how that riches uh, can consume uh, our minds and so forth. And if that has our heart, that it's uh, going to be difficult to overcome that barrier. And Jesus is walking his way through that. And you see uh, those uh, different things in verse 24 and 25. And meanwhile, the disciples must have been struggling with the same issue because they were concerned. And Scripture even says they were astonished. And it led them to ask this question, who then can be saved if it's not something that we can do and, and, and it's not about the stuff that we have and the successes that we can put on a resume? Who can be saved? And note the, the change of tenor, though. The rich young ruler asked a question, almost like a philosophical one. What must I do to inherit eternal life? The disciples, they recognized the significance and urgency of it and said, who then can be saved? If we're deficient, who can be saved? And Jesus offered clarity, 
not immediate comfort. When uh, he said in verse 27, what is impossible with man is possible with God. In other words, if you're still trying to hold on tight to this thinking that you can achieve it on your own, you're going to fail every single time. But if you are willing to yield and you're willing to give and receive a far better exchange through Jesus Christ, then you can have life because it is possible with God. And so he had walked them through getting them to look at their hearts and to get them to a place. And Peter, you can just see Peter's wheels turning. And I'll just pause to say, I love Peter because Peter is the brass guy in the group. Peter is the guy that's not going to settle uh, for an answer he doesn't understand. He's going to keep on, the wheels are going to be turning. I'm a school administrator. Uh, a lot of times I will share with uh, our faculty and staff that, that that student that may be driving you a bit crazy that lands in my office, uh, a lot of times uh, they are probably the little Peters. Uh, Peter is just, he's all in and he's wanting to understand and he's says this, uh, he says this to Jesus. He's like, see, look, we've given up everything. What, what is uh, uh, Peter trying to show? He's saying, Peter is trying to show, we've pursued you towards the end that we've upended our entire life. Contrast that to the rich young ruler. I come to ask a question. I don't like the answer. I'm sad about it, but I'm not going to change. Peter is like, we've given up everything. And, and then look at the persistence of Peter. Peter, when he didn't have the first question answered the way that he wanted, when he didn't see uh, the way that he wanted uh, and, and didn't quite understand, he kept on asking the question. He kept on trying to get uh, to, uh, to the solution. Look at uh, that compared to uh, at the rich young ruler that when he received an answer, instead of probing deeper, he left, uh, left and rejected the truth. And then look at Jesus' answer to the disciples because no disciple is going to be without a reward that is pursuing and persisting for Christ with one important add-on a willingness to promote the king and his kingdom. Verse 29, Jesus said uh, to them, Truly I say to you, there's no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children, and then this important uh, uh, component, for the sake of the kingdom of God. Not because being part of this is just a fun thing or not because it suits our family or because mom and dad uh, serve the Lord and, and walk with it, but because I recognize that the Lord is king. I recognize that I need salvation that only comes from him. And I recognize that I have to yield the throne of my life to the only rightful king. And then I am going to spend my life promoting the king and the kingdom. I'm going to spend my life showing that I am dependent upon him and that he is the only king 
upon which every knee will bow and which every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Christ looked at the disciples and he said, that's what it means when you come to follow me. It's not just a transaction, it's transformation. And it's a transformation of somebody now willing to pursue, persist, and promote the king and his kingdom. So where does that leave us? This morning in Avon, Ohio, where does this leave us? I think as a church family, the first thing for the believers to do is that we should be praying that there would be, uh, that the Lord would reveal himself to the ones that need Christ in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our community, in our church, that the Lord would give eyes to see and ears to hear, and he would reveal where true life comes from, and that is with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The second one would be a challenge, a, a challenge that we read as members that we would truly put that at membership covenant to work in our lives, that our lives would be a testimony in word and deed uh, that we are promoting the king and his kingdom. And then the third uh, piece that I would just encourage everyone, uh, uh, the one uh, uh, specifically that is seeking for meaning and purpose in life. You hear this Jesus conversation and uh, you're intrigued and you've made your way to be here and you have uh, made sure that you were attentive today. Here's what I would ask. Don't stop seeking. Be persistent the way Peter was in asking the questions. Pursue. I'm thankful that we're at a church that often you will hear that if you ever have questions about the faith, if you ever have questions about a relationship uh, with uh, Jesus, uh, that there are people, our, our pastoral staff will help you. And then we also have a deacon uh, of care in Vance that will even be here at the conclusion uh, of the service that if you would want to talk to him or pray with him about the greatest decision that we will ever make. The greatest decision that we will make is not, what about eternal life? The greatest decision that we will make is what do we do with the eternal God that has created eternity? And our prayer is that all would have eyes to see and ears to hear the glorious truth that's only revealed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your word. We're so thankful for its power. We're so thankful that it can do what nothing else can. And so today, we pray today that you would be glorified in it. Heavenly Father, that is this church, as we are thankful for, uh, we see your obvious hand and move in uh, the congregation and the members, we pray today that we would that much more be committed to giving you glory in our actions and in word and deed. And then, Lord, we pray today that we would encourage one another as we are striving for eternity together that we would truly be lifters of one another's hearts and souls. And then finally, Lord, we pray today for the one that is seeking, 
uh, the one that is yet to receive uh, you as their savior. Lord, I pray today that you truly would minister as only you can because it's not by our works, but it's by your revelation through your word and spirit, Lord, that uh, give them eyes to see and ears to hear the truth that Jesus Christ truly is the way, the truth, and the life. We ask all of these things because of you. In your precious name we pray.